temptations lurk all around. Uh, Many temptations these days are just a few clicks away on your smartphone. You can access objectionable material, you can visit gambling sites, you can get easy money, you can shop for a whole range of goods and services, you can even stalk and insult your adversary. Temptations seem to be closer at hand these days than ever before. Of course, there are many other temptations that have been common to humanity from time immemorial. The temptation, for example, to make yourself look good by embellishing a story or withholding some information. The temptation to brood over your dislike for another person. And the temptation, perhaps, to remain silent in the face of injustice. To be tempted to do wrong is simply part of the human condition. We all know about it. We all feel the tug of various kinds of temptations. And at the beginning of Lent, we reflect on this and we pray for God's grace to overcome the particular temptations that come our way. The scriptures declare, of course, that Christ himself faced every temptation that is commonly experienced. And right at the very beginning of his ministry, he faced three specific temptations. And they related to physical desires, the need to be noticed and admired, and finally the need for wealth and power over others. They could be summarized under three headings, hedonism, egoism, and materialism. But Let's look at the context for a moment from Matthew chapter 4. Jesus had been baptized in the Jordan by John, and the Spirit came down on him, and he heard the affirming words from God, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. And now, the same Spirit who came down to affirm and strengthen, now leads Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the evil one. The same Spirit who affirms Jesus' identity as God's beloved Son now leads him into the wilderness to be tempted. Don't think that because you're a Christian believer that somehow God should remove temptations from your life. Don't think that God is to blame when we face temptations. The same Spirit who fills and blesses us also leads us into times when our character and our faith are tested and life becomes difficult and demanding. It's the same spirit. This is part of discipleship. This is how faith is forged and your identity strengthened. Now, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, that word tempted is an interesting one in Scripture. It's from the Greek word pyrezo, which can mean either to test or to tempt, depending on the context. Here it's translated tempt because the evil one is doing the tempting. And what is the nature of the tempting? The devil does not normally confront us with a black and white choice. If he did, it will be easy to identify the evil and choose the good. Rather, the evil one employs a more subtle tactic. Through the temptations, the evil one tries to move Jesus away from the path that God has laid down for him. 
He doesn't deny that Jesus is the Son of God. In fact, that word, if you are the Son of God, the meaning behind that is not uh, to question it, but to, uh, well, given that you are the Son of God, or seeing that you are the Son of God, such and such. So it's not calling in direct question Jesus' identity, but rather tries to get Jesus to fulfill his calling in a way that is not consistent with God's will. And so the evil one uses a number of different temptations to try and get Jesus to reorder his desires and priorities so that God no longer occupies that central place. And the devil employs exactly the same tactic with us. Usually temptations are subtle and don't appear at first glance to represent a case of gross sin or disobedience. They may even appear to be good and worthy. But taken against the standard of God's will for you, they are wrong and we must resist them. Because the evil one is trying to move us off the path that leads to God. So what are the temptations? First of all, Satan says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. The first temptation is at the most basic level, the level of our physical urges and desires, our desire for food and drink and sex and pleasure. And these physical desires come at us like persistent children sometimes. I want, I want, I want. Now, now, now. Of course, God placed these uh, desires within us. They are integral to our humanity. And at one level, they are good and normal and natural. But when we allow them to take over, to take control of us, then they displace God from the center of our lives. And Jesus quotes from Scripture again, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We must orientate our lives not according to our appetites, but with God at the center, and the other things then become rightly ordered. The second temptation appears in the form, we assume, of a vision. And the devil takes Jesus to the pinnacle of the temple and says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, because God's angels will come and rescue you. Now, the temple was, of course, at the center of political, economic, cultural, and religious life in ancient Israel. And so this is about being at the pinnacle of human society, to be noticed, admired, esteemed by others. And this interpretation is kind of reinforced when you think of Jesus being tempted to throw himself down, to fly through the air and being rescued by angels. This is about wowing the crowd. It's about celebrity and notoriety. Now, most of us probably want to be noticed and perhaps admired. It's a perfectly natural thing. Others go further and really want to become the darling of society in one way or another to be loved and appreciated. And this might, even if you think about it, have kick-started Jesus' ministry 
But this is not God's will. So Jesus responds with scripture saying, again it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. God is not at the beck and call of us. We serve God and not the other way around. And so Jesus resists the second temptation. Satan then took Jesus to a very high mountain, again, we assume in a vision, and showed him all the glorious kingdoms of the world and promised that he would give all of this to Jesus if he would bow down and worship. This is a temptation to possess wealth and to exercise power over others. Now, you can really only understand how significant this temptation was when you realize how many of Jesus' contemporaries would have given anything to throw off the yoke of the oppressing Romans. And now, Satan gives Jesus this opportunity. What will he do? He can shorten his time in ministry. He can go straight to the goal. He can avoid the way of the cross completely. He can set up God's kingdom now without delay. But once again, Jesus is not to be deviated. He quotes from scripture for the third time, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Jesus will not only work towards God's goal, but he will do it in God's way, which, of course, is the way of obedience and suffering love. Now, it's interesting that all three of Jesus' quotations uh, from the Torah come from just three chapters in Deuteronomy. And it's in Deuteronomy, uh, of course, that Israel has to deal with these same temptations. They are in the wilderness, as Jesus was. The people are being prepared by God to enter the promised land. But the question is, will they be true to the covenant? Will they be faithful? Or will they believe the evil one and be deviated from their vocation? Well, it turns out that Israel in the wilderness fails in each of the three temptations that Jesus succeeds in. They become hungry and complain against God, even asking to go back to Egypt. They rebel against God, questioning whether God was really in their midst. And finally, they go after other gods and abandon the one true God completely. And so we find that the account of Jesus in the wilderness is a kind of recapitulation of Israel in the wilderness in ancient times. In other words, where Israel failed to be the true people of God, we find that Jesus succeeds. Where Israel mistrusts God, complains against God, and follows alternative gods, Jesus puts his whole trust in God and is not deviated from being the faithful, obedient Son of God. Jesus is now ready to undertake his ministry of proclaiming, in word and deed, the coming of God's kingdom. The temptations have turned into testing. As steel is tempered and strengthened in a furnace, 
So Jesus comes through this experience strengthened in his sense of identity and calling. So when did you last experience a time of testing? Where you were confronted with a choice? They come in such subtle and manifoldly different ways. To do something that was expedient and self-serving rather than principled and right and true, no matter what the cost. During Lent, I invite you to be more aware of what's going on when we feel those tugs and pulls of temptation to do wrong. And instead of calling them temptations, I invite you to call them tests. Because in a test, we can be strengthened. And so let us ask for God's grace to overcome them and certainly use scripture in doing so. Amen.